Chapter 9, Heal That Shit, Part 4. I do want to preface this with giving you guys a trigger warning. In this next part, I talk about having an abortion, a week-long hospital stay after trying to commit suicide, being sexually assaulted twice, over-drinking to mask my pain, getting a DUI, having a miscarriage, losing friends, and more. Journal prompts number 56. At your darkest moments, how did you feel? What kept you going? I do not want to get into the details of what happened because it is something that I am still healing from and probably will be for years to come. As I am still healing from the repressed childhood trauma of an older cousin of my stepsister's laying beside me and asking me if I was going to be a virgin forever at eight years old while he was babysitting us or being drugged by a guy in my teens and blacking out. These are things that have wounded me, things that are deep and personal and I am actively healing from. Experiences that I thought I had gotten over but I'd simply push them far to the back of my mind and never did the work to properly heal. Author's note. In this book was my first time ever publicly talking about these things. The incident that happened with my stepsister's cousin is something I had never talked to anyone about, even while I was writing this book. It took me a whole nother year to open up to my therapist about it and my husband about it. So I'm still doing the work to heal from those things. So I had to turn my mind away from my family, my friends, and my business and turn it on myself. I was fucked up. And the only person that could help me was me. So that is what I did at the hospital after a suicide attempt. They asked me if I wanted to stay, and I wanted to tell them no, so badly. I wanted to do what I normally would do, what came naturally, and that was to tell them that nothing was wrong with me, that I was just having another bad day. But the truth was, I was not having a bad day, or a bad week, or even a bad month. I was having a bad life. And as much as I tried to pray or wish things would change, they hadn't. I knew I needed to seek professional help, as I had done before, but this time, I had to take it seriously. I could not give up on my healing and treatment because it didn't work as fast as the timeline I'd set. So I decided not to say that I was okay. I wasn't. I needed immediate help. And if I would have gone home, I would have returned feeling just as bad as I did when I arrived. A week-long stay later, and once released, I didn't magically feel better. I felt just as shitty as the day I went in, if not worse. My sister picked me up from the hospital instead of my husband. He felt that I was selfish for trying to take my own life, which is a statement that I often hear people say when referring to those who are suicidal or who have died by suicide. Selfish. Selfish 
Imagine all the dark days this person has lived through for others, not for themselves, so that they wouldn't be deemed selfish. He had no idea of my daily thoughts. I was constantly, secretly wishing for death so the pain would end. When I returned home from the hospital, the house was empty. My kids were at school and my husband was not there to greet me. My wallet was sitting on the kitchen counter. My credit card and bank card had all been taken out because they were in my husband's name. Another painful blow. I knew at that moment I would never let my husband or anyone else for that matter have financial gain over me again. I immediately returned to my normal way of life. Two days after I checked out of the hospital, I hosted an event with a huge smile on my face. Two days after I checked out the hospital, I hosted an event with a huge smile on my face. Over the next few weeks, I celebrated multiple friends' birthdays. No one knew what I was dealing with. I was still suffering, still feeling overwhelmed, and still full of sadness. Even more so that I couldn't open up emotionally to anyone. What I needed was support and to work through my struggles. About a year later, after consistently taking my antidepressants, going to therapy, getting back into a routine of working out, and finally losing the 30 pounds I had gained years ago, and my husband and I were in a good space. I had made new friends, and I felt like I had found a new lease on life. And then life hit me with two major blows, back to back. If you have ever experienced cancer, or have been a care provider for someone who has had cancer, you know that even when cancer is gone, it's not. It's simply gone today. Every three months, the survivor has to be tested to make sure that the cancer is still at bay. One day, my mom was waiting for her three-month test results. Each time this happens, I hold my breath a little longer, and my heart seems to beat faster and slower simultaneously. That night, I decided to go for dinner and drinks with two of my girlfriends to relieve some stress. Dinner was great, and the drinks were better. Leaving dinner, it started to snow unexpectedly, so I decided I needed to rush home before the roads got bad. As I left the restaurant, I was pulled over for going slightly over the white line at a red light. I'd been asked if I was drinking. I had more than the legal limit. I was taken to a police station and charged with a DUI. Ten minutes later, I was headed home. I was upset. I was embarrassed. I had been drinking. I legally was over the limit, but drunk I wasn't. But that is no excuse. I broke the law as too many of us have done. Lesson learned. Author's note. I want to talk about this DUI for a second. Getting charged with that DUI for my height and my weight, two drinks is the maximum that will put me over the legal limit. It's a law that too many of us have broken too many times. Drinking and driving is a terrible thing to do. And like I said, I've learned my lesson. I am an Uber girl whenever I'm going out, especially when I think I'm going to be drinking. Many of us do not realize the risk that we are putting ourselves in and the lives of others when we do go out and have a few drinks and get behind the wheel. So learn a lesson from me and catch an Uber. A few weeks later, I learned that I was unexpectedly pregnant and soon suffered a very painful miscarriage that I never talked to anyone about besides my husband. We weren't trying for another baby. We both have been very clear that we are happy having two children. But alongside the physical pain 
came unexpected grief. How could I be grieving for a child that I didn't want? Was God punishing me for having an abortion at 18? Or was I finally releasing all the tears and pain that had been built up over the past few years? From my marriage, the break-in, my career, my mom's diagnosis, and losing friends. I felt so confused. I decided not to tell anyone. But holding it in only made me lash out more at the people closest to me. I was tired of being a constant, look at how sad I am, party of one. By this point in my life, I turned into someone who downplayed things that had happened to me, including significant things like my mother's cancer. Some of my friend's parents have passed away. How dare I talk to them about my sadness and my mom being in the hospital with cancer when their parents are gone. My suicide attempt and hospital stay were secrets to everyone, aside from my husband, best friend, and sister. No one else in my life knew at the time. I tried to tell others, but it seemed like the time was never right or that they didn't care. Regarding my miscarriage, I knew people who had suffered miscarriages and even had children stillborn who wanted those children. So I felt it was selfish for me to grieve a child I didn't want. But I was grieving. Not only had my body gone through a traumatic experience, but my mental state, which I had been working on heavily, was affected. All my hard work for myself seemed to be undone in a blink. A little over a week later, it was my friend's birthday, and I should have stayed home. Physically, I was okay, but emotionally, I was a wreck. Regardless of how I felt, I showed up. That's who I am. Birthdays are important. When I arrived for lunch, it turned out to be a double date. And I realized I technically wasn't invited. This wasn't communicated to me, and I felt left out. Not being included is a huge emotional trigger for me. I should have left, but I had just taken an hour Uber ride, and I was hungry. (laughs) I got extremely drunk and had a complete meltdown. Tears, cussing, fussing. Still, I told no one about the miscarriage. Again, I felt, how selfish would it be to say in the moment, happy birthday, I had a miscarriage last week, let's celebrate. Instead, I just cried, argued, and embarrassed myself. Afterward, that friendship faded out. I never told her what was going on with me at the time. Journal prompts number 57. Have you ever started healing and had a major setback? What was that like, and how did you overcome it? Journal prompts 58. Over the years, how have your friendships changed as you've changed? Journal prompt number 59. Have you ever felt like you had to keep your emotions a secret from the outside world? Has that secrecy impacted your healing journey? Affirmations. I deserve to be heard. My feelings are not selfish. They are not burdens. It is okay not to be okay.